Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You're very welcome to another episode of the Scaling Your Business podcast. For this episode, I've got James Brogan, the CEO and co-founder of Pep Talk. James, you're very welcome to the show. Green, thanks a million. Delighted to have the opportunity to chat. Delighted to have you on. Uh, your session will be no different than anyone else's. So let's start with early influences. You grew up in Dublin. Uh, any favourite stand-up memories of your childhood while growing up in Dublin? Um, yeah, a dub, as you say, born and bred. Um, I guess my, yeah, listen, the standout memories for me growing up are very much revolve around sport. Obviously, the second name is probably a dead giveaway as to our, our family is, is very much steeped in GA and I would have played myself, parents would have played. So a lot of my early memories, I guess, are very much around um, sport and mm. both attending games as a kid, uh, going to watch Dublin play. And, and that obviously, you know, was an, an awful strong part of kind of um, how we grew up and our family and um, took an awful lot from sport in that context. But would have in those early years, I've spent an awful lot of time uh, I suppose aspiring to to play with Dublin and all those things that a young boy wants to do when he's growing up. So uh, from a childhood perspective, yeah, sport kind of would have been kind of the the morning, noon, and night uh, uh, conversation around the dinner table in in our house and probably uh, lots of, of households around the, the with, with Brogan as their second name. I guess you don't <laughs> you barely have a choice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I hope some of our international listeners who haven't a clue can Google it and find out what they what that means. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. What I'm hoping is you don't hang up the call now because uh, I come from a family from Kilkenny and I know Dublin are playing Kilkenny and Hurling, albeit you're a football fan. Yeah. Uh, so uh, hopefully you don't hang up because I will be shooting for the Cats come June uh, listen, or that's July 17th. Right. Uh, we're, we're obviously on the, on the Hurling side, obviously we're, we're trying to play catch up with, with counties like Kilkenny uh, who have been the superpowers of the game. But uh, yeah, Hurling, obviously for people obviously who aren't aware, internationally based, it's a it's an incredible game. I actually probably prefer it to, to football when it comes to watching it. The skill level is incredible. Uh, so, yeah, wishing you the best of luck now in that one. Yeah, well, uh, part of me would like to kind of see Dublin win one Leinster in the Hurling as well because it's it's good to have... Uh, I started Avalanche, so be careful what you wish for. <laughs> yeah, no, but it's also good to have challenges. In Leinster, there's, what, Wexford and... Galway now and then it'd be nice to have Dublin up there as well but look before we uh, actually let's move on from that and, and talk about business but before we do I know that uh, you studied BCom at UCD from 2004 2007 yeah. and then you did two years in the Law Society of Ireland um, yeah did any of those years whether it's BCom at UCD or the Law Society uh, prepare you in any way for running a business and if so how <laughs> um yeah, I, I go listen. I'd like to think. I'd like to think so. Um, I suppose like lots of lot, lots of people grow. I wasn't sure really what I wanted to do. Um, I did commerce on the basis that I keep my options open. I kind of knew more so what I didn't like versus what I liked, and I kind of probably zoned in on 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 commerce as a way of of um, enabling me to understand the mechanics of business. And from there, I yeah, I went and did law. Again, looking back now, probably wonder why in many ways, because I probably wasn't best suited. But again, I think 
I think when you're going, going, you know, for a lot of people, it's hard to know what to do. It's hard to know where to land your career. So the law piece for me was I ended up doing a summer internship in a, in a law practice in town, sort of, they offered me the chance to go and do exams. I didn't really know what else to do. And I said, yes, I would do. Uh, and did two years of that and did loads of exams around that time. So I definitely think probably the law um, has, it teaches you, I guess, to think in, in a certain way. There's a certain logic mm. behind how you train as a lawyer that I think I still do apply. So probably how I approach certain tasks or how I approach decision-making maybe so you know subconsciously has has been built up over that time so not that we necessarily learn decision frameworks but you'd certainly develop a sense of you know analyzing problems I guess from both sides and trying to make decisions on that and you'd learn that from you know I suppose reading case law and understanding how different arguments are put put to the table you know and that would have been a bit of my training but I only I mean I actually only practiced for a year been honest before I had that moment when I, I just knew this kind of wasn't for me uh, in the long term I think like most entrepreneurs they probably get that eureka moment and there was a couple of moments around that time for me that probably did push me towards going down the entrepreneurship route you know kudos to you though there's no doubt that you're an active learner before we get down that entrepreneurship route, because I've got a lot of questions around some of the stuff you've recently put out, all positive, by the way. Um, a couple of things I know about you. You've been to places like Boston, Lisbon, New York, Cape Town, climbed Club Patrick. What's one thing you're into or curious about that not a lot of people would know about you? Um, not a lot of people would know about me that I'm interested in. Uh, I always say I'm interested in uh, movie soundtracks, randomly enough. Um nice. Yeah, uh, and I worked to movie soundtracks. Uh, so I would have um, a playlist of soundtracks that I built up over a couple of years now. Uh, happy to share it with you if you'd like to listen. Uh, mm. And yeah, it was weird. So I went to a concert a couple of years ago by a composer by the name of Hans Zimmer, who again, wow. most people might know from mm -hmm. Gladiator and a couple of those kind of really kind of, uh, yeah, I suppose, uh, impactful scores that accompany uh so it's very much the instrumental stuff i like and i i find that by listening to that working it actually sort of gets me in the zone uh but yeah but it's funny when i went to that concert it's like oh no one's really interested in this this is a random thing that i'm only but then you come in and like there's thirty thousand people there all <laughs> at this concert and i said oh i'm not i'm not alone i'm not the only uh guy who likes listening to uh movie soundtracks yeah so that's something that, uh, yeah, it's, it's probably accompanied me to all of those places you mentioned, and I listen to them a lot. And uh, yeah, when I took the chance, I've seen Hans Zimmer in particular a couple of times. Uh, so yeah, kind of, it's kind of weird how I, I use it now more so as part of my my work life and and how I yeah to just because I don't get a chance anymore to necessarily listen to music outside of work. So I've brought it into my. You're a busy life. man. You're, yeah, you're, yeah. You mentioned you're, you're, you're moving gaff or you've moved gaff and you've got two kids as well. So <laughs> I don't know how you do it. A, I have a four, four month old, uh, Zach and a two and a half year old, uh, Noah, who's all action. So yeah, uh, listen, great to kind of have that family piece now as part of your journey, but uh, definitely comes with the need to plan. <laughs> Everything <laughs> sure. needs to be planned. Uh, the impulsive days are, are very much gone, but again, Listen, that probably uh, is just part of uh, life's journey, I guess, you know? Yeah. 
couple of business related things. You've put yeah. up an article recently around retention. It says yeah. that retention is now becoming a major focus for organizations. A couple of stats, 95% yeah. of workers are considering changing jobs. 92% are even willing to switch industries to find the right position. Why do you think this is and how can companies tackle this? Because there's a lot of big tech in specifically in Dublin that are eating up a lot of the potential new hires. Yeah. Yeah, so there's a concept out there right now that's kind of generating an awful lot of buzz. It's kind of dubbed the great resignation. And, and really, yeah, I suppose, listen, there's a couple of forces at play in there. And obviously, over the last 12 months, naturally, there has been a dynamic where people have probably, you know, wait, you know, they're, they're, there's a pent up demand probably out there to kind of for people having probably overanalyze their work lives and what they want and what they don't want at this point. There, there's naturally that sense that, companies are and employees want to yeah look for something different and look for a change mm. um and organizations now you know there's always been a war for talent out there um Absolutely. And this is kind of the challenge now where not only do we need to compete for best talent but we need to really mind what we have as well uh, because what we have is potentially looking about what might be over the into greener pastures and pastures new so I think certainly in our world, um, it does revolve around looking very closely at your human experience at work. It looks very closely at how how are we going to, in you know, intentionally and proactively manage culture. I mean, one of the big stats out there is is around management and leadership, and seventy percent of people tend to leave work uh, and leave a role because of poor management. So if you kind of mm -hmm. draw a line between the two of them you sort of say, right, suddenly, and on top, this was pre-COVID, now you add in COVID and you add in the whole world of work dynamic now at play with hybrid working, it does a lot of that falls back to managers and, and you know, the challenge for them is how they're going to manage in a hybrid world. So there's an awful lot to think about for organizations, not only about the teams that they're trying to build, but the leaders they're trying to build and how they're going to create that culture that enables people that are from in the office or potentially at work in, in their home to kind of create that model and, and, and a model that works. Operationally, it's easy. It's not easy, but it's easier to sort of figure out, right, we're going to have this amount of desks. We're going to have this app to enable people to get in and do their work and come home. But culturally, um, you know, social cohesion, leadership effectiveness, employee engagement, these are the words, and, and culture, you know, and, and what does culture mean? For me, it's really just about behavior. It's just about the behaviors that we bring up every day and the behaviors that we brought up are, are, and are probably normalized in many organizations are no longer fit for purpose. They're not mm -hmm. going to work in a hybrid world. So how do we reprogram and reset an organization that is kind of now, you know, we've seen lots of PR announcements about organizations going to two day weeks and three day weeks, which is all brilliant. But for me, that's the operational element of it. What about the piece and the bit, the bit about culture? Like what about the behaviors that are going to keep your staff in the place you want to work? So for me, like the idea that the three day work week is, is necessary, obviously, but you know, if you have a poor manager, people are still going to want to walk out the door, you know. So these type of things yeah. are akin akin to perks um, that now are being, in essence, it's like all these perks. Like generally, ten years ago, you know, you know, an office canteen was a very basic thing. Then suddenly, an explosion of perks, and and a lot of the tech companies drive a particular 
um, focus on the perks that come with in an office environment. And now if you take the office away, other perks are going to be built around that. And I think for, 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 for employees to stay engaged, they're going to want to work in a way they want to work, but they're also going to want to be engaged and they're going to want the culture and the behaviors in that organization to, I suppose, stack up with what they expect, mm -hmm. you know, and to truly engage them. So that's just a little bit of what we're seeing in the space arena at the moment. No, I love it. I love it. I had this, I had a conversation with a friend the other night and he was saying to me, he's proactively looking for a new role, and I said to him, what is it that you're, what boxes do you want ticked? And he yeah. didn't answer it, but eventually I got out of him that one of the things that he's looking for is a good social life in that role because he wants to be surrounded by other people that are like him. And I yeah. said, well, the two roles you're looking at, A and B, they don't offer that whatsoever. They're fully remote. They're a company yeah. in going, a company in London. So you need to revisit and maybe that companies need to think about potentially that because some people might want that. Some people might not want that. So what do they want to build their company? Like you, you yeah. mentioned management and before we move on, um, one of the things that comes up a lot in conversations I have is how management can have a great role is to tie individuals, personal roles to the corporate goals or personal goals to the corporate goals so that yeah. people feel like they're part of the team and working towards something, but they also get personally rewarded when they hit that goal as well. Yeah. I think, um, but though, yeah, listen, you're on the money. I think what, what we find, you know, purpose is enormously important for, for, for organizations and for, you know, employee engagement at its, at its, at its heart is about, you know, how do I, how committed and how energized am I about working in an organization? That's what it boils down to. And I think organizations that have been really successful generally have a very strong vision they have a very strong set of goals and they have a very strong strategy that enables people to feel like from the CEO right the way down, everyone is contributing towards that. And I think that's mm. that, that sort of sense of teamship and the idea that, you know, um, we're all in service of this higher purpose of what we're trying to do and what we're trying to impact. And, and in our world, Reed, like we, we, we're in a lucky position that we get to actually, you know, tangibly see impact. We tangibly see people talking about getting involved in some of our programs and, and, and being, you know, that sense of fulfillment, that sense of that experience that I had at work was better, was more engaging. You know, my boss asked me as simple as question. I was like, how was your week? You know, how was your weekend? Like that, when we talk about the human experience at work, me and you spend a couple of minutes at the start of just, just having a conversation as humans. Mm -hmm. And then we can talk about entrepreneurship and all that stuff. But, you know, if I'm a manager and, and we talk about how we're going to align to, the organization's vision, we still, you need to think about the human on the other side of that. And I think if, if anything has happened over the last 12 months, leaders are more conscious of that, but it's about intentionally thinking about that every time you come on a call, every time you interact with people, it's, it's easier in an office, you kind of jump into someone and you say, how's your day? Or you grab a coffee. It's harder in this world. And I think um, if you have a clear vision and then you, you bring that vision into values and then you live the values and, you, and we're here to help but companies like us can help model yeah. that and provide technology to make it easier to scale because it isn't easy like called challenge of culture I was like, like it's like a plant you got to keep watering it if you don't water it it kind of dies so for culture it needs to be fostered and watered and watered and watered and I think for organizations now 
when they look at their vision and it's about how, how aligned are our values to that vision in a hybrid world in particular, and then what behaviors do we want to try and model out every day? And then how do we help people to model those behaviors? Because it's not easy. Like we tend to always revert back to our norms and what we know. Mm. Uh, so yeah, no, I, I think it, it's on the money in terms of that sense of vision values and then pushing that through the organization. It can be very energizing for, for, for employees in particular. Must make you smile seeing those or hearing those stories and the impact that you and the guys at Pep Talk have. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. I guess for it's like for half a second, it's great. One of the challenges I have, <laughs> been honest, is that balance, as in taking time to recognize that. Uh, I suppose this is why these type of sessions are great because you do get a chance to pause and reflect. But when you're in the flow, it's like, a, I suppose, a football match or something. You're kind of just mm. the next ball, the next thing, the next thing. And I think certainly in my experience and in, in, in listening to your podcast and others, Ian, you definitely, I think it's a trait of a lot of entrepreneurs, that restlessness, that sense that it's hard to, hard to hard to get balance, hard to find that, you know, that sense that there necessarily, there isn't necessarily a pot of gold at the end. It's about the journey and it's about going on that journey, if you get me, because uh, you don't know what's at the end of it and you kind of have to, you don't know what's, what life's going to throw at you in the middle. So I think you're right, though, it is important to acknowledge that if you've made a difference in someone's, you know, life or work experience and they're a bit more, they've a bit of sense, a little more sense of purpose, a little more sense of cohesion, they're feeling good about getting up in the morning and getting into work. And it's like not every day is going to be brilliant, but you are just trying to make those little incremental changes. And over a mm -hmm. long period of time, you know, that's the, the impact that you can have. So yeah, no, like, like, listen, it is, it is, it's nice to work in, in an area and our, and our staff and our team that work really, really hard here recognize that, you know, um, that that's a tremendously uh, important part of this, that we need to work hard, but we recognize that we're making a big impact in organizations and that's a, a valuable thing to acknowledge. Yeah. Well, before we move on, why don't you take 60 seconds to tell me the impact and what it is that pep talk do. Yeah, I suppose, listen, at its heart, Reen, Pep Talk is a, a team culture platform. So basically what we're trying to do is help organization, like, like any organization, I guess, embed those habits and behaviors that are now essential to building a successful team. You know, and, and that can be, to give you a quick little example, we're working with a particular Please. organization right now that has seen engagement levels fall and they're pulsing their staff, they're trying to understand what's happening. And, and it's just a challenge when it comes to, you know, how are we going to re-energize re people? So we worked with them on what we described as a team resilience initiative. We ran it for six weeks. We involved almost 400, 500 other staff. And wow. the beauty of our platform is it, it levers a couple of different areas. So we look at social community so people can share photographs. We can promote content. People can watch content. So what you're trying to do is create an environment where people can, I suppose, take action in service of improving their state. So if people are disengaged as a result of work. What we go about is trying to create a program and then our platform through a number of different levers, as I say, social community, learning and development, various challenges we give people over the course of a four-week period, we enable action to happen. And that's really for us is behavioral change in action. And I think that's, I think most people are right now thinking, give me things to do, give me things mm -hmm. to help because the data is great. And we are, listen, who, who isn't feeling in some way isolated, a little bit not myself, longing for purpose, longing for belonging, but give me things to get after. And, and maybe if that's a shared experience with my colleagues, wherever they are, better again. So for all, Pep Talk is about creating that environment and building that culture. Uh, and 
yeah, yeah, that's kind of. Uh, I got a know. question for you though. When when it comes to going into an organisation, you alluded to an example there. I imagine that it's vital to get senior leadership involved, or it will just be a lot of noise for a few days and then nothing. Oh, totally. Listen, when when we think we t- we touched on it earlier, Reem, when you think of like if we're talking about proper behavioural change and we're talking about leadership and values, it has to be modelled at senior level. Uh, so we, we would never engage with an organisation without engaging with senior level. Not only about what, but the why. Like why? Why, why should I bother? What, what's in this? And it, and it has to be grounded in business. It has to, at the end of the day, these are, you know, these are um, senior leaders with busy lives and, and, and mm. you know, for a long time, well-being has been perceived as a, a nice, fluffy thing to have in the corner. Yeah, nice to have, you know, the bowl of fruit in the canteen. Nice, you know. But when you look at, say, for example, sport, like for the last 10 or 15 years, well-being and, and, and balance and perspective and what enables performance, that's common, common. High-performing sports teams would all recognize the need for the behaviors and the, and, and the habits that create a, a high-performing athlete. So in that context, you bring that into the workplace and it's not all about, you know, hydration or fitness. It's just about that idea of positive culture and, and what, what brings that about. And that has to be modeled at senior level. Um, and that's where the senior leaders are now looking, but it's for them, it's, it can be as much about competitive advantagery and it can be about, you know, it, it, it can be a bunch, it can be about retention. It can be about attracting candidates quicker into your into your organization and getting them up to speed quicker because now they're more engaged. So I think the conversation for lots of organizations right now, it, it needs to be grounded in, you know, what's the value that a program like Pep Talk can bring and it and, and the output needs to be judged not just purely on on, on well-being, but on those really strong um people metrics that organizations are now looking at. And let's be honest, maybe unsure of how to approach, for example, this attrition issue that's coming down the line. How you know the, the problem is when the attrition problem is there, it's too late. Six months previous is kind of when you need to be start beginning to understand, you know, what's 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 happening in our organization. So we have, for example, sentiment analysis so we can help organizations and teams understand what is this that sense of energy and mood in my team. And then how do I in, in, intervene before we're now me and you chatting about, you know, our, we've lost 10, you know, we've lost 10 people in the last three months. So that's kind of this idea of leading indicators and 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 lagging indicators. Organizations need to look at leading indicators lagging indicator is retention the leading piece is you know stuff around you know what is driving behaviors and and that sentiment amongst people so i think it's a really interesting kind of dynamic we're at you know we're, we're that's a play now and the emergence of new data sets that can help organizations in this space is is fast emerging and will only become more important in a hybrid world where we're not able to get that sense from people in a room that we probably were able to previously you know I have no doubt that you guys will continue to crack it. Your website is great. Couple of case studies on it. I'll leave a link to Pep Talk below as well for anyone who's interested. Um, blind spots. So there's a list of these blind spots that can hold back an otherwise healthy business. In this particular book that I read before, there's 13 of them. So it's like not focusing on lead generation, uh, not nailing hiring or even the onboarding process. For you involved in the startup world, and I know you had a role in legacy communications as well. Uh, yeah. And you worked with the likes of Dunstores, Energy, Teamwork, Lay Healthcare. What is one potential blind spot that you see other startups potentially run into uh, 
And if they didn't run into it, they'd be in a better position than they currently are. Um, yeah, I guess I suppose I'm very conscious where we, we have much challenges as, as other organizations. So, or maybe uh, for yourself, what's something that you've yeah, listen, in the early I, days? I think for me, prioritization is enormously um, challenging in a, in a startup, and, and it's something we continue to work on. And we've looked at different models of, of you know, obviously everyone's familiar with OKRs and different ways of trying mm. to align in around goals, but. The, the challenge is never about you know energy and passion as enthusiasm i don't think anyone who works a start you wouldn't get into a startup unless you had that so it's it's about trying to ensure every week every month that what you're doing is in service of the overarching kind of as we touched on earlier those strategic monthly quarterly goals and without that roadmap as to where you're going in essence what you kind of tend to do is sort of just you can and risk being busy fools. You know, you can risk just kind of running around, doing lots of things that can be great, like can be great. And, you know, there's no different to obviously me going in and spending all day responding to loads of emails and feeling like that's a really productive day for me and sitting down and then saying, really, you know, when you look back and it's trying to be hard, really, really tough on yourself to say, you know, when we think about like the challenge of startup is like, what are those dial movers? You know, what is really defining what's going to move us? And is it a dial mover or is it not? And can it kind of be reprioritized? So constantly prioritizing and reprioritizing goals um, is something that, you know, for me, really, in my experience, that, that, and, and, and it's, it's starting with that sense of what are we trying to do? Where are we trying to get to in the next 6, 12, 18 months? And how do we build a roadmap towards that? And not that you become slaves to that either, that you're open to, to amend that. Because obviously startups yeah. are naturally evolving and you're trying to find product market fit and figure out and talk to your users and you know develop your sales, as you say, develop your sales cadence and the methodology and what's working and experimentation. So there's lots of stuff happening. So that prioritization piece for me in your own world in terms of what you're doing but then in terms of the organization and you're consistently working with your team to deliver that um it's probably been the biggest learning for me coming from no no necessary you know I, I got into legacy and it was two people and i you know we learned we learned you know we didn't pay ourselves for three years and we made loads of mistakes and 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 did lots of stuff that probably when i look back i think god why did we do that or we wasted time there I think now what I've learned is trying to be more critical of what you're doing every week or every month and, and kind of trying to hold yourself accountable for that. Um, and, and I'd be pretty passionate about that and would try to, you know, I think that's important to try and impart that across the team that, you know, the thing with startup is time, you know, you you're always are in a race against, you don't have the, the, the um, luxury of time. Um, mm -hmm. So every week, every day does count. Um, and if you think of it through that lens, you just have to be so hard on yourself. Prioritization is important because you haven't got all, all, all time to get in after stuff. So uh, yeah, that's probably Agreed. the one thing Completely. if I was to, to kind of zone in on that. Completely agree with you. One of the questions, I have a list of questions I ask myself at the end of every week to kind of rate how I felt on that week. And one of them is how much did you move the needle this week and that is yeah. did you focus on those tasks that are consistently moving that needle forward um what's your favorite part of running the business um i think broadly i love i love the i love the hustle 
I love the um, the dynamism. I love chasing chasing down leads. I love the the sense of opportunity. Um, it was one of the biggest lessons I took when I when I initially started up entrepreneurship. I remember vividly being in a room with Pat Gilroy, who who, who maybe some listeners would know from an Irish context, successful businessman in his own right and involved in sport. Um, he he just had a whiteboard and he and for the first time in my life I was kind of presented with a blank canvas as to where to go with this particular business idea and it was around at the time basically Dublin GA and what we were going to do to grow it as a brand and it was yeah. one of the first exposures I'd ever had and you have to think of my training it had been very paint by it had been very lot you know been very structured and I was presented with this blank canvas and I I, I think for me um, it was just the art of the possible. That's the bit for me that gets me up. It's that art that you just don't know what's going to happen in three hours time. You might get a call saying, listen, I met someone this morning. They want to chat to you about kind of coming to London and talking about pep talk or this podcast here where you're kind of getting an opportunity to talk to an audience about um, what you're trying to get after. So uh, in terms of what, what that presented me that day, it was like, oh, you know, it was just, I remember coming away thinking we were just literally putting up ideas on a wall and mm. I think entrepreneurship is a definition of that it's the definition of the art of the possible because you're in a world where you just do not know what's around the corner and I, I think funnily enough early in my career I probably would have been a little more scared of that but now um I love it like I, I love that and a lot of my friends aren't in this space and would look at me sometimes and think god like is it not very all-consuming and, and it kind of is at times but that's kind of part of the fun as well, you know? Mm. Uh, so yeah, I, I think that sense of the art of the possible and, you know, you get up in the morning and not like, you, you could as easy get up in the morning and have a terrible day, but like you kind of get up the next day and go at it again. And I, I think that's probably for me, the most exciting part of this journey. Uh, and it was kind of that early kind of exposure to what I kind of like to call that blank canvas and that art of the possible that that was enormously exciting and still is, you know, because we don't know. Pep Talk doesn't know, you know, in 12 months time, we have a sense of where we want to go. But mm -hmm. like you're you're still getting up and feeling like there's there's opportunities still to be explored, you know. I love that. The art of the possible. Uh, uh, that's a phrase I'll remember. Three final questions for you. One is if you were the final decision maker in adding a mandatory subject to the leaving cert curriculum. So for our American guests, that's high school. And for yeah. our English, that's A-levels. What would it be and why? Um, right now, I would focus on, broadly speaking, mindset, more to be more granular, distraction control. Um, we, we find in organizations right now that for certainly for the younger demographic coming in, one of the areas that they find very, very hard is, is, is to um, work on focus and work on mindset um, and, and deal with, you know, deal with setbacks. Um, so I think an awareness at, at a younger level of the ability for you to begin to sort of train your mind, train your mind, train the ability to control, you know, distractions, control setbacks, to, to develop a sense of yourself and how you can begin to control your emotions. Um, it's something that, yeah, it's just we we would we would it would emerge in our in our space, I guess, from 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 leaders working with certainly a younger audience and trying to encourage them to, I suppose, um, 
um, bring about a little bit of a little more uh, concentration and, and communication, I guess, at times comes in communication skills and how they develop that. But broadly speaking, Reen, yeah, I think mindset and, and what we would describe as, as kind of distraction control is, is, is a topic that all organizations are looking to bring into their org uh, as a way of helping people. But I think at a younger age, I think like everything, like the younger you could start into something, the easier it tends to be to adopt it and to normalize it and to make it part of so i wish i i, I try and like i again work in progress i'm trying to continue on my journey in that sense but mm-hmm. i think right now it would be a very interesting topic to explore because it's very hard growing i think it's increasingly hard for teenagers social media all the stuff we read about and i think the ability to to learn how to deal with that and control that and understand the emotions at play and, and work on your mindset i think it's a fascinating area and i think it's one that i think will, will really become important for, 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 for younger people. And I think, great. I mean, if schools could bring that in, how, how wonderful would that be both on a personal level for people, but then in terms of their entry into the workforce and their ability to kind of be highly engaged and, and productive and motivated, you know? Absolutely. There's this triangle that I focus on and work on and, I, I, and it's behavior, attitude and technique. And if you can continue to improve and there's triangles within those, but if you can continue to work on but your behavior, your attitude and technique and improve 1% every day, yeah. you'll be in a better place. Yeah. As you referenced through the long yeah. term, looking back, it's yeah. a much better place. Yeah. yeah. The second final question is, uh, all your loved ones are safe. I know you mentioned your kid's name's Noah. I can't remember the other one. Forgive me. Zach. But Zach, no Zach all your yeah. loved ones are safe, <laughs> but uh, your, your house is burning down and you can only save one item. What one item would that be? Um... Well, at the moment, I'm living in my in-laws, so my I don't know where all my stuff is, being brutally honest <laughs> with you, but what I would take, oh, God, I don't, like, what I would not take is my mobile phone. <laughs> I thought yeah. people would naturally say that. Uh, um, uh, what would I take? Oh, good question. Um, and my family is safe and everything, all, all like that is all right, yeah? Yeah, yeah, all of that is all right. Well, that's a good sign that you haven't picked anything, which means... You're, once your loved ones are safe, everything else is kind of already re- re- replaceable in a sense. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, totally, yeah. I, like, I wouldn't be the type to, yeah, like, I wouldn't get too bogged down in in, in heirlooms or, or stuff like that. Um, I think, uh, yeah, if the loved ones that you have around you are safe and well, um, I would be obviously devastated, but the house burns down, the house burns down. <laughs> I'd like you to imagine we're talking as if it's the year 2030 and you're looking back on the last decade. You can answer this personally or professionally, but again, if it's if it's the year 2030, what would you like to be looking back on? Professionally or, or personally? Sorry. Green. Both. You can answer Both. either or. Um, yeah. So I guess right now I'm probably in that part of my life when I'm, I'm sort of trying to, 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 to draw it, you know, to, for once of a better word, I'm, I'm focused on growth. I'm focused on on pushing myself to be better, you know, on, on achieving my own kind of goals from a professional perspective and a, on a personal perspective. But I, I very much believe in, 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 in passing the baton down. Like I very much believe in, 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 in taking what I've learned and the mistakes and the good bits and the bad bits and passing that back. So at 2030, um, I would love to have contributed to other people's journeys. Um, mm. I think that if that was 10, 20, 30 people that got some value from a conversation that I had with them and it either encouraged them 
or made them reflect that maybe it wasn't for them or whatever. I think that's cool. But I think, uh, I think the sooner people can kind of begin to take what they have and, and, and kind of send that elevator back down and, 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 and help foster a culture that people get after what's what's what they're passionate about you know like for me leaving law and stepping into something different was scary and my parents didn't want me to do it and my friends were like what the hell are you doing you've done all this study so like in some ways it, it's, it's it, certain things don't actually stack up to say your parents just want what's best for you you know so i think mm-hmm. for me to just give that sense of um energy and the art of the possible as we touched on earlier to people that might have gone down a certain career path and they don't really know why and they're kind of struggling to find purpose. And I think you meet loads of people out there who struggle to find that purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I could do anything, it would be to look back and say there was a small proportion of people that that I got to spend time with and enable them to go a little bit further on their journey. And I, I do mean that genuinely because it was something that I went through and I was lucky enough to meet some people that helped me. So if I'm not doing that, at 2030 I, I'll have failed I guess and what I believe partly I should be doing is in there enabling other people to enjoy the journey that I'm on the good and the bad so yeah you can kind of hold me to that if we chat again and in, in a couple of years absolutely time. <laughs> well for now I, I've had a great pleasure spending the last 40-45 minutes getting to know you a little more uh, you yeah, certainly provide a lot of insights and value for the listeners as a, as, a, as usual, I'll leave links to Pep Talk, your LinkedIn profile, all that good stuff below. But uh, James, for now, thanks for being my guest for today. Green, thanks a million and uh, best of luck with all the, the future podcasts. Cheers. If your metro don't trust you, I'm going to show you. Beautiful morning, you're the sun of my morning, baby.